Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. Today, we're going to talk about marketing technically complex products and services and some of the challenges and opportunities they present. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Jackson Rep, Field CTO and Head of Marketing at HarperDB. Jackson, welcome to the show. Thank you, Greg. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this with you. Uh, Why don't we get started with you giving a little background on yourself as well as what you're currently doing in your role at HarperDB? Absolutely. I am currently the field CTO for HarperDB, but I am a partially reformed developer uh, who has, you know, sort of expanded beyond writing code all day and focused on product primarily because I used to work you know, in, in a field where often the requirements were on a napkin from the CEO and, and you had to figure it out and you had to make it work. And, and really when I work with cool products, which is what Harper DB is, when I found them, there were really simple choices that, that I saw that we could make to bring this to market in a way that was more appealing than just being a database. I saw a bigger opportunity to position us to solve you know, a lot more customer angst than just customer requirements. And, and really that's what I do all day is I work with customers. I talk about their needs. I talk about what our platform does. And then I try to influence the product part of the organization to, to kind of come up with a solution that still trace stays true to our vision, but ultimately is going to deliver value for customers and obviously make money for, for the company. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So yeah, let's, let's dive into this then. So, you know, we're, we're here to talk about how you market complex products and services, what to do as well as, uh, you know, maybe a few things to avoid as well. So to kind of help and and frame this discussion, can you explain a little bit about, you know, what does HarperDB do and who are your customers? Sure. Uh, HarperDB is a distributed application platform. We do have DB in the name because that's where we started out, Uh, but we were a distributed database, which means you can have instances of HarperDB all over the planet close to where your users are so that it doesn't take so much time to look a record up and return it. So just as a database, we wanted to be close to users to lower latency. And then we found ourselves, you know, wondering if people's applications that use the data, where, where are those running and how close can we get to eliminate latency? And eventually we realized the closest thing we could do is just build an application server directly on top of our database so that we could simplify, you know, architecture of these distributed systems because they are inherently complex. You know, a modern application may have upwards of a hundred moving parts, which is fine. And we do that every day, 
But if I want it to be in a hundred locations, I now have to worry about the health of a of 10,000 moving parts. So we wanted to create a solution for distributed computing that delivered benefits beyond just latency because the complexity and total cost of ownership was one of those things we saw growing exponentially, you know, as people tried to put their applications and their data in more places. And just to talk a little bit about our customers, our customers uh, fall into two distinct groups. They are you know, application developers who are focused on performance and speed and capability, but then also giant network providers that have a vested interest in making their customers' applications run as fast as possible. So we work with a large number of massive network providers. Akamai is one of them, the largest CDN in the world. They professionally are the best company in the world at making assets arrive quickly, static assets. And we like to say we're effectively a CDN for applications and their data. And, and that really resonates you know, with large network providers who just by moving data closer to the edge could make their own networks look, you know, a thousand times faster. Yeah. 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 Definitely. The, the, the CDN analogy helps me understand that a little bit better too. So I appreciate that. So HarperDB uses the phrase collapse the stack uh, to describe how you've combined several typically standalone technologies. So databases, application platforms, streaming message queue into a single product. You know, there's a lot of talk about headless, um, composable, microservice, you know, all of those kinds of things these days. So how do customers react to a more monolithic solution to some of these things in a world where everything seems to be a microservice module component, et cetera, these days? It's a, it's a really good question and one that we kind of picked up our banner and built a a, a truly integrated application platform and went into the market and we're absolutely ready for everybody to tell us, but I like my micro front ends. I like, I like running a hundred containers for my UI so I can swap them out easily. Absolutely. I thought that's where all the conversations were going, but at the end of the day, what we realized was latency, you know, translates directly to cost, not just the lost cost of uh, of a user coming in and thinking it's pretty slow for your API server to travel, you know, halfway across the continent to get some data from a database and then return it to the API and then maybe to the user who, you know, might be on a different, uh, you know, in a different country. So that lack of proximity bred a great deal of latency. And if I could cut latency in half, i.e. it takes me 10 milliseconds to return you a result instead of 20 milliseconds, that doesn't seem like a lot. It's only 10 milliseconds that you're saving. But what what we were absolutely shocked to realize is that it was a very easy story to tell that if I can answer the question twice as fast, I can answer the twice as many questions on the same piece of hardware. Mm. So if I can cut your latency by 50%, I can cut your cost by 50%. And the way I do that is by putting the API layer directly on top of the data and by having that whole shebang sit in a bunch of places very close to your users. So you can tell a story of latency and you can tell a story of simplicity and integration and fewer moving parts. And it resonates with a lot of the people who, you know, are in IT operations, right? They, they see fewer things to maintain, fewer licenses to maintain, and they get it. Uh, but where it really lands is when you explain to the C-suite that you can do exactly the same amount of work and spend half as much on the hardware. Uh, because that is that tends to be 
the problem we solve more than anything is, is a legacy system that has been band-aided, you know, seven ways from Sunday to try to achieve the scale necessary. And they have just thrown money at it typically to keep the latency and the performance uh, in an acceptable range at that scale. And nobody wants to rip or replace anything um, because that's a multi-year effort. And so being a layer that can uh, help them move to the edge, deliver that performance, uh, tends to outweigh all the concerns of engineers. But we've also done a lot of developer-friendly stuff. We have, we like to say we have the best developer experience in the world because we know that lots of people are used to working with their particular stacks. We know that they are very protective of those. And we know that they are obviously the people that if we sell into the C-suite can turn around and absolutely say, no, I don't want to do it. It's going to take years. And we don't want that story to be, you know, the result of, you know, a sales effort. So we, we go in and we do a lot of a developer advocacy and we help them understand that there's fewer moving parts, which gives them more time in the day to do like fun stuff, like perhaps not chase trouble, you know, on the interconnects between your hundred micro front end containers. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like some of your, the promotion of the product and just getting it out there is the, the developer evangelism, as you just mentioned, I would imagine there's a lot of other marketing components as well. And, and being that this is something that is, you know, it's, it's both technically complex and it, and it is in some ways, not in all ways, but in some ways, contrary to, to some of the, uh, you know, that, that composable and, and microservice stuff that's out there. So in other words, some of the people that are, um, that are seeing your marketing and marketing materials are perhaps they're seeing mixed messages depending on who they, who they talk to or whatever. So in, all that to say, marketing a technically complex product is challenging, right? It probably goes without saying, but say it anyway. So, you know, what, what early assumptions paid off when, you know, when working with, with Harper DB to really get this, get the message and the, the value out there. One of the things that, that they did, I was working at a different company at a, at an IOT low code platform. Uh, and I was looking for a database that I could hook into to persist data that was streaming around this IOT system. And I found Harper DB primarily because they were distributed, so they could be in lots of places, which meant they could be very, very close to the sensors for which I was collecting data. But more than anything, they had a built-in HTTP API. So rather than hassling with, you know, a driver or, you know, a connector of some sort that that was proprietary and, and hook in, I could just use a regular HTTP request like every other app in the world. Yeah. And it just seemed really easy for me to get up to speed and interact with it. Even, you know, probably the most popular open source database in the world, MongoDB, you still have, you know, a backend and drivers and, and, you know, there, there's the typical database complexity and that simple story, just building in one feature was enough for me to see that this company was fundamentally different. And there's, there's a, there's a few others like indexing every attribute by default so that it's always performant. There's a trade there, a little more space on disk, but, but guaranteeing performance for developers who maybe are building something out, you know, as a prototype. And then inevitably, if it goes well, everybody in management wants it to go to production as quickly as possible. And there's a lot of things you did to make that thing work that aren't necessarily uh, optimized. 
And we wanted the data to not necessarily be yet another one of those things you had to optimize. So a lot of forward-looking you know, decisions and assumptions that we made on behalf of developers, primarily because we are developers and we know that these are pain points that we go through. So we've always been very good at, at focusing on the developer experience, and that's probably paid off more than anything else. Before we continue, I wanted to share a key strategic resource that a majority of the Fortune 500 are already aware of. Finding the best technology, business, and talent solutions is not easy. With business demands and competitive pressures mounting, you need to be able to design, deploy, and optimize your technology to provide leading customer experiences while driving business growth. Those of you that have been listening to this show for a while know that this podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems a global provider of technology, business, and talent solutions for more than 80% of the Fortune 500. Tech Systems accelerates business transformation for their customers. Whether you're looking to maximize your technology ROI, drive business growth, or elevate customer experiences, Tech Systems enables enterprises to capitalize on change. Learn more at techsystems.com. That's T-E-K systems.com. Now let's get back to the show. So when marketing and developing a product, some things work really well. There's always those things that uh, maybe don't work as well as as one might have anticipated. Can you can you talk about something that maybe didn't work as well as you thought it might have at first, and and how did how did you adjust uh, to that? Absolutely. With our focus on developer experience and and having developers tell us they loved us, we went initially for a strategy of you know big corporate sales. We're going to reach out to big enterprises, and then we were also going to reach out to developers at their level on you know developer boards and sponsor projects and hire uh, influencer developers to build our products and hopefully get this army of people who love our product and then would take that product into their day job and when a when a, a new opportunity sprung up would say oh i've been working with this new platform it's super easy to use it's super fast it scales really well and we wanted them to become our you know advocates in in their organizations to push things up and the developer pull through is what we, what that's called and it has it has not paid off at three companies in a row now and i'm beginning to think that it might not truly be a channel to revenue. That said, the benefits of selling in at, you know, the upper level of an organization and when, you know, the VP of applications turns around to their head of engineering and says, hey, we just got pitched or told to evaluate, you know, this new platform that, you know, the CEO met somebody at a trade show or whatever, and now we, the pitch was good, so we want to evaluate it. To have that developer turn around and say, yo, yeah, I've heard of it, or even better, I've used it, and I like it, and I know how easy it is, overcoming that, you know, there's there's the challenge then of making sure that we've reached into or attempted to reach developers at organizations where our opportunities are, but we we continually focus on, on making sure that we eliminate objections as quickly as we possibly can, because the easiest thing to do with your legacy infrastructure is, is nothing and just continue throwing money at the problem and not re-architect it and kick the can down the road. And and we wanted to have a, as many evangelists inside, as many champions as possible. 
and that has uh, it has it has worked out, but not as a sales lead. It has worked out as more of a public public relations and and you know general acceptance and and a, and a progress tool. Yeah. How have some of your go-to-market efforts fed back into the product? I mean, you talked a little bit about, you know, making developers that are happy and and with the product or have heard of good things about it certainly helps with some of those, reduce some friction in, in the sales process. But, you know, how how have you used some of the, the go-to-market efforts to, to feed back into the product and what customer personas are have been most helpful in, in creating a virtuous feedback loop? I think like many products, when you're first starting out and you're, you're dealing with your first set of customers, your product roadmap is entirely customer led. You're right. It's, it's, we don't have not even just a cool feature, but literally a, a feature that delivers parity with their existing solution. So initially you may have a very cool idea and a very cool story, a very cool value prop. But in order to achieve that, you have to, you know, sort of backwards engineer some of the things that they're already relying on. And, and a lot of those things are things that are pretty standard in the database industry. We were doing a lot of things that were were unique and innovative and performance oriented. And then there are things like, you know, taking snapshot backups. Well, that seems obvious that a database should do that. And obviously the most do or have a tool set, you know, to do it. And we had a way you could do it, but it wasn't as easy as the rest of the experience. If we focus on developer experience, then everything should just be that easy. So as we met with customers and, and engaged with them, dealing with the engineers was always great because they, they're very specific into the thing that they're building. The IT staff though, and the head of applications, right? One wants performance, the head of applications just wants to run everything quickly and with as little cost as possible. And IT wants it to be stable and wants it to have all of the tools for a disaster recovery. And so those two personas become the biggest tool set and resource we have uh, to help, you know, steer or at least prioritize all of the things that we want to do, you know, with HarperDB, the platform going forward. But we don't want to ever get hung up, you know, going into an enterprise and they say, do you have the ability to turn off indexing every field if we don't want to? And we didn't. Right. Because we auto we made the choice to index everything by default because we knew that the long-term performance benefits were there. But there are absolutely use cases where you shouldn't. And we prioritize that because, you know, A, it's a good choice. It doesn't take away from our simplicity story. It's optional to not index things. But it also delivers value immediately and also shows customers that you're listening to them. And and having customers that believe that you care about their about their outcome, because we do, is is one of the strengths of HarperDB as an organization. Yeah. So if you could go back and and do it again, you know, you mentioned a few things that, uh, you know, a few areas where there were some really, there were some quick success and some things that need a little, uh, a little modifications and stuff. But, you know, if you could go back and do it again, what, what would you change about the go-to-market strategy? When I was first hired, I was I was a customer success engineer, which and I was the the only one. Uh, it meant that I was the power user of the product, and I broke it every day. And 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 <laughs> I would build demo apps like fleet management systems, asset management, distributed uh, chat engines. I would I would build all of these things, and we would show them to potential customers, and they would say, "Oh my God, I want that fleet management system. Can you sell me the fleet management system?" and 
we were like, no, we're the platform that the, you build the fleet management system on top of. This is just a demo code and we couldn't sell it in as a product, even though that's exactly what they wanted. And I'm like, I don't want to spin up 10 other new companies. Like we, we just right. want to be a platform and a database. So I think presenting these point solutions was shorthand for we didn't have a good demonstration tool. We didn't have a good way to show value without showing it in action. And we got much better. We built, you know, a studio that allows you to visualize not only the data in one database, but how the data flows between instances of HarborDB. So we got much better at the visual representation of what we are and what we do so that when we were selling in and when we were demoing to people, they got it without it being a specific application. They have the point solution that they want. They just need to know that they can do it on our platform. And we spent a lot of time spinning our wheels, sort of demonstrating, you know, a thing, a point solution that you could yeah. do to people who, quite frankly, weren't ready to start a company to run this software. They, they just wanted to buy some software that somebody else would maintain. And, and we kind of dug ourselves a little bit of a hole there. Yeah, makes sense. So what moving forward, what drives the product roadmap? You know, how do you prioritize there? There's pl probably plenty of competing priorities, but how do you prioritize between innovations that your team has, but customers may not be anticipating or even asking for and, and those things that customers are asking for? You know, how do you how do you find that right balance there? Well, I think there are there are a couple legs to that, or there's three legs on that stool. There's there's what we can build very quickly, what are very, very large, you know, initiatives that are going to take time. And then what what will pique the interest of the public at large, people that we're not talking to directly? What can we turn into really cool differentiating marketing initiatives to sort of get some traction? with other marketing initiatives that bring in organic traffic and, and sort of build our pipeline without, you know, our direct sales team being involved. And so what are those features that are going to make a splash in the market, right? You, you've watched you know, a whole season of earnings calls where I, I like every single CEO just said AI over and over and over again, right. because <laughs> right. you know, ultimately imagine. they knew that was going to pop, that, that was going to pump the stock up. And yeah. And so we look constantly for those things that we know are different, but will provide value based on what our customers, you know, are sort of telling us in aggregate. And so I think what drives the product roadmap is having a 30,000 foot view of every customer and their asks and their needs and where we are falling short. And instead of building a band-aid feature to, to fix one customer's problem, having the wherewithal to be able to quickly architect something that maybe wraps five or six of those things up into a very simple expression of that value. So being able to understand from an engineering perspective, how parts might fit together is a true advantage of working at HarborDB. And one of the reasons I'm so happy here is everybody is, or at least was a developer. We've all written code. We all have the ability to sort of synthesize a bigger, you know, feature or value prop out of lots of little requests because we're all familiar with, you know, the code base. And so I think, I think the prioritization comes from, you know, striking that balance, but obviously there's always going to be the 800 pound gorilla customer who comes in and says, 
I could sell this a million times if you just had this. Yeah. Um, you know, for a startup, yeah, that moves to down the line pretty quickly. Right, right, absolutely. Well, Jackson, thanks so much for joining the show. I've got one last question before we wrap up here. What's one piece of advice you would have for organizations that you know might be in a similar boat, um, may do something completely different, but they've got a complex product and you know they're struggling with the complexity of it and and how to market it. Uh, what's what's one place you'd recommend they start? Really good user experience is the single most important thing you can do for your product. Have people be able to show up and and use your product without reading the directions. Right? I, there are some IKEA pieces that I can build without even looking at the instructions, um, and there are others that I cannot. But as as a as a developer who hated writing documentation, I, I always strive to build something so easy to use that nobody ever asked to see the documentation. Not that we don't have it, because of course we do. We're a responsible company that, that takes care right. of our users. But at the end of the day, much like you know the CEO of Zappos used to say, if somebody calls the 800 number on the site, we've failed. <laughs> because yeah. it wasn't easy enough for them to solve their own problem. So a absolute laser focus on can I do it without looking at a UI? Can it just work? It should just work, right? And and every step we put in between a customer and the value prop that we espouse to do so easily, it is a hurdle that we may have to overcome and that I strive to eliminate. Our tagline is simplicity without sacrifice. We want all of that performance, but we don't want it to be as hard as it is right now with existing technologies. And that's why we glued it all together and tried to wrap it up into, into one package. Simplicity without sacrifice is, is the driving ethos of, of HarperDB. And ultimately, it, it, I look back on all the startups I've been a part of, and I think, yeah, probably could have leaned into that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just want to thank you for, thank you for inviting me here. I really appreciate you know, the opportunity to come on here because talking about marketing when you, when you work for a, literally one of the most technical you know, platforms in the world isn't something I get to do a lot. And so thank you so much for having me on the show. And I, I have really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, thank you so much. No, really appreciate your, your insights, your advice, and, and really, really glad to have you here. Again, I'd like to thank Jackson Rep, field CTO and head of marketing at HarperDB for joining the show. You can learn more about Jackson and HarperDB by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.